Good morning. Uh, it's great to be here with you this morning. My name is Nathan Hinkle. I'm the campus pastor at White Oaks Ross Township campus, which is where Beth and Will attend. Uh, it's, I'm really glad to spend the morning with you here today. Um, if you are new to White Oak, uh, there may be some things you don't know about Cannonball, but just to kind of give um, you an update, uh, we are about 16 months or so into our two-year Cannonball journey. And that's where uh, God has been calling us as a church to deeper places of trust in him. And, and as a result, um, you, can, you can see, I mean, tangibly, the lives that are being changed. And I love what Will and Beth share because you see stories like this all the time of how God is just working in our hearts, dr- just drawing us to deeper places of trust and generosity. And not only that, but you get to see the, the impact of, of trust and generosity as, other, as people's lives are being changed for the gospel. And, and so uh, I, don't, I don't know uh, if that means for you, I tell you some of the impact just a couple of days ago, um, that was breaking ground for a new church facility in India. They just did on Thursday morning, and it was exciting that we get to be a part of that. It could be that um, really right about now, or about five minutes from now, we're going to be celebrating four baptisms at the Ross campus at their second service there. And um, it's an incredible thing to be a part of, isn't it? Seeing people just born into new life and faith and in Jesus. And that's happening right now. Or maybe it's the many things that are happening um, in and around this campus that is just fueling um, faith in people's lives. I don't know what it is, but what we want to say to you is thank you. Thank you for being on this journey. Thank you for taking those steps of trust. Thank you for your generosity, because it is really making an impact on the mission that we're on together to see Jesus's name just become more famous. So thank you for that. We are um, about three weeks in now to a series um, on the book of Romans, the New Testament book of Romans. Um, Actually, the book of Romans in the New Testament is a letter Okay, it's a letter that was written to the churches in Rome at about, uh, Paul is the one who's going to author this letter, about 57 AD. So we're looking at about 25 years after Jesus died and was resurrected, that Paul is authoring this letter to the Christians in Rome. Now, what we know about Romans, and, or if you're new with us today, let me catch you up about the context that's happening here in the city of Rome at this time. It's Paul is addressing a group of churches. They're house churches. So when we say churches, these are 10, 15, maybe 20 people meeting in homes, okay, scattered throughout the city. All right? And Paul's letter is arriving at a time where there's a lot of division in these churches. There's some strain in the relationship between two groups of believers, one is the Christians who were Jewish, or Jewish Christians, rather. All right? And the Jewish Christians come from a heritage, from a faith background, all right, that goes way back into the Old Testament, all right? the, old, the covenant that God had with the Jewish people dating back centuries. And they cling to that heritage, and they cling to their Old Testament uh, law in order to say, these are the things that make us right with God. Now, what you have sitting right there next to them in the same living room with the same people in these house churches are the Roman Christians, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. These people have just left the world of paganism and idol worship, and they've come to know Jesus. 
And so they're saying, wait a minute, we're not sure that we need to attach our lives to all of these um, Jewish laws and culture in order to follow Jesus. And so they're at an impasse and, and, and the church is, is, is fracturing. Now, and what we find in Romans chapter 4, which is what we're doing today, all right, is that Paul's going to turn his attention to the Jewish Christians, all right? Even though they're mixed in this context, sitting in these house churches, he's going to turn in chapter 4, specifically talking to the Jewish Christians. Now, we've been encouraging you throughout this time, and I will do the same. Make sure that you're reading through Romans during the week. And if you read ahead... Trust me, that's not a problem. The chapters are quite short. But what we'll, that will do is it'll get you familiar with the words, all right? God just kind of just wants to speak to your heart through those words anyway, all right? Um, if you don't have a Bible or if you haven't downloaded just that really handy uh, version Bible app on your phone, we have Bibles out at the Hub for you. Chris mentioned those on the video that we just watched um, at the Hub. So go to the Hub, get a Bible. It's free. We just want to get that in your hands so you can interact with God's Word even as we interact with it here on Sunday mornings. So what is Paul's central message throughout the book? We're going to lean into this every time. This is it. The good news of Jesus. Okay, 16 chapters of all the same thing. Jesus is good news. In fact, Paul's leaning into the central message of Jesus is all that matters. I don't care what you, where you come from or what you have going for you. Jesus is the only thing that matters. All right, so we're going to jump into Romans chapter 4, verse 1. So let's dive in and go. It says this, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation, What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, if you're, if you're Roman and you're sitting in this, um, in, this, in this living room, you're like, who the heck is Abraham and what is he talking about? And that's okay, all right? It's okay because he'll get to them later, all right? But you would have to be a, a, Jewish, um, a Jewish child grown into an adult steeped in a tradition of the Torah, the Old Testament Jewish scriptures, all right? And these guys knew who Abraham was. Okay, Paul is reaching back into something very old, into Jewish faith and tradition in order to tell them something. Here's something you do know, right? Here's something you know. You know the Torah. You know the Old Testament scripture. He's going to use that to tell them something that they don't know, but that they thought they knew. All right, we'll get into that. He's going to use something they know to teach them something that they don't yet know, but that's something that they think they know, all right? And you'll see him unpack that. And it's what they didn't know. It's what the Jewish Christians didn't know, but they thought they did, all right? That threatened to keep the Roman brothers and sisters from experiencing and being included in the faith community. And what that thinking did is it kept both Roman Christians and Jewish Christians from experiencing like this full life of a very kind and good heavenly father. And they kept both groups from experiencing that very best thing. And so what, what we don't want as, white, as a White Oak Christian church, as the church, right, on the world today is to repeat history. 
Okay, when it comes to our neighbors or your classmates or the kids you play on the team with or the, your coworkers or your friends, when it comes to this church, when it comes to White Oak, to when it comes to ex- us all experiencing this full life that Jesus promises, we want the fullest version of that, right? So this, what Paul is getting ready to deconstruct in Romans chapter four, must be ruthlessly deconstructed today as well. Okay? So this is where we get our big idea today. It's printed on the front of your program. I encourage you to take some notes today. I am not left out. I am not left out. In Genesis chapter 12 is where we meet Abraham. And, and what we find in Genesis chapter 12, Paul's going all the way back to the first book of the Old Testament. All right? What we find in Genesis chapter 12 is that Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish people, God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you. And in this relationship we're going to have together, Abraham, I, you're, because of your descendants, like the entire world will be blessed through you. All right? And it's in Genesis chapter 15 where Paul is going to draw his focus. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And Abram, or Abraham, believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous, because of his faith. Now, in other words, this is what was said 2,000 years before Paul's day and what Paul is saying right here in the context of the first century church. It wasn't Abraham's actions. It wasn't his religion. It wasn't even Abraham's obedience to God that made him right with God. It was his faith. It was his faith. And it's one of these questions, or, or, or issues rather, that has, I think, stumped Christians for like now 2,000 more years, all right? Where we debate, in fact, this question um, threatened to dismantle the church in Rome in the first century and blow the whole thing up. And it's the question of what makes someone right with God? What makes God and me good? we're on the same page, that I can know him. Is it faith? And we have to ask ourselves that question. Is it really in its basic form? Is it just simply like believing something? Or is it the things that I do? Is it being a good person? Is it the things that I do for God that makes me good with God? And the reason that this stumps the church even 2,000 years after Jesus rose from the grave is because generally in our lives, this, uh, this only works one way. So Paul uses an example to say, hey, listen, guys, I get where you're coming from. In verse 4, he says, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but it's something they've earned. Right? So, so when you go to work tomorrow, okay, you go into work tomorrow, you're going to get paid for being there. I hope. All right? And when you do, it's not because your boss just likes you, okay? It's not because he likes you. It's because you worked for that money. You earned it, all right? If, we, um, if you practice hard on the team or with an instrument, like, I mean, you go at it. You show up. You put in the effort. The coach notices. You're learning. You're growing. You're going to get more playing time, right? You're going you're gonna to get a win, why? Because you've put in this effort, and you're going to eventually get something back for it. If you want to um, afford to go on a really nice vacation this summer, 
right? If you want to get um, good grades in school, like you're going to have to work to earn to go on that vacation. You're going to have to put in the effort to get those grades because no one's just going to hand to you the reward unless you are the children of like Felicity Huffman or Lori Laughlin. But is that too soon? Is that insensitive? Is that, we'll use that one a few months from now when that's all blown over. But so sometimes it, it works that way, all right, for sometimes. But generally, Paul says it doesn't work that way, all right? Everything in our lives works on a reward system. You work, you get. It's even in our relationships. It's not just school or work. It's like in the people that we care about, we get into this place in our relationships where it's like, if you do this, then I will. Kids learn it. Easy. I mean, when you're, when you're out at the store, if you have little kids or maybe you've got grandkids, and you're out at the store and say, hey, mom, mommy, mommy, would you buy me this? If you buy me this, you will be the best mommy ever. <laughs> right? Up until that point, jury's still out. We're not sure if you're a good mom, all right? <laughs> but if you perform, it's possible you'll become. And, so, and, so, and, and, we, and this is just how it works forever, right? I mean, so if you have teenagers, maybe it's like, we, then we kind of throw it back on them, right? If you perform... Like, if you get good grades for this amount of time, or if you do this, if, you know, then maybe we'll replace your phone with, a, with an update, like with a newer phone, right, in a few months. If you do, perhaps then, then you'll get. And that gets locked into our heads, and so that gets locked into our relationships. They often work that way, too. If you behave a certain way in a relationship, you'll get something out of that relationship right back at you. In fact, we get into this place where we say, like, if you give me what I want out of this relationship, be it marriage or you're dating or whatever, then, then maybe I'll stick around with you a little bit longer, right? And Paul says, he acknowledges, this is the culture that you know and that you've been growing up in. But with God, things work differently. And he says this in verse 5. Look, he says, But people are counted as being right with God, righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Now, what, if, if, you're, if you're in here today and you're a believer, you're a follower of Jesus. I realize that not all of us are, but, but many of us may be, right? And if you're a follower of Jesus, we say, yeah, but that goes against like everything else that just believing makes me right with God. But think about what Paul's doing here. He is deconstructing something that has been true for Jews for centuries. So Paul is storming this 2,000-year-old citadel of traditional Judaism, taking what they thought they knew, and he's saying, but you don't really know it at all. What rabbis would teach often is that Abraham would store up these works of obedience in like this treasure chest. And rabbis would teach that, that the descendants of Abraham for centuries later could actually draw on this deposit that Abraham made of his good works and his faithfulness, and that those good works of Abraham could actually count for you too right? That the Jewish people were justified, which is a legal term that means they're found not guilty, right, of sin because of Abraham's obedience. And so what Paul is working to deconstruct is this idea, is that faithfulness or obedience equals forgiveness, 
Or said in another way, obedience to God's law equals being right with God, being good with God. And the truth is, though Paul was working to deconstruct that 2,000 years ago, this is often how you and I approach faith. This is often how you and I approach our relationship with God. We say, you know what, we come to church, you know, when we can, and sometimes that's like for Christmas and Easter, and sometimes a few things in between, Um, because many of us were raised in that tradition, whether that's when you went to church, right, a handful of times per year, and some of us say, well, as, as long as we do that, then we're okay, because we're giving and expecting that God's going to say, hey, good job. We're good. Or maybe it's the other extreme. Maybe, maybe you're like, man, we got to get to church every Sunday. Like, I volunteer. Like, I'm serving with, in, in this or that. Like, we're part of a life group, right? Because in our, the way that we work, because it works this way on almost every other area, is if I do those things, like, certainly we're good with God at a basic level, right? If I behave or I believe the right things, then God and I are good. And I could check that off the list. And there is a question for some of us. So some of us are maybe even asking today, what if I don't do those things? (laughs) What if I don't come to church that often? What if I don't read my Bible that much? What if I'm not serving? What if I'm not giving? What if I'm not believing some of the right things? Then where am I? And even if you're newer to faith, or you're not sure that you even, you're just here today, maybe just checking things out, you're not sure how you feel about church or Jesus, I mean, that's okay, we're so glad you're here, but even if this is new to you, you understand this framework, that if we do this for God, certainly then God will do this for us, and we'll be okay. And Paul is telling his audience It's actually never worked that way. And he says this in verse 9. Look at this. Look at this. He says, Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. And you're like, what the heck is he talking about? Listen, in Genesis chapter 15, like we just read that just a moment ago, Abraham was considered right with God because he believed, because of his faith. Now, Paul's saying, now fast forward. This is chronological. Paul's saying this is at this very basic level. It's chronological. What happens in chapter 17? That's where Abraham is called by God to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant relationship between the two. Paul says, which came first? Faith or obedience? It was faith. And it was enough. It was faith. And it was enough. Now remember what we said. Paul is using something his audience did know. They knew the story of Abraham. They'd been learning it since they were children. To teach them something that they did not yet know, what does it look like to truly be connected to your heavenly father? But it was something that they thought they knew already. 
And if you're new here to faith, uh, or if you're new to faith here, or if you're here this morning and you are in that camp where you're just like, I'm undecided how I feel about Jesus or any of this thing, I, that's okay. Because I want you to remember that who, who was the other audience sitting in these house churches in Rome? Okay, Paul's aiming his conversation right now at the Jewish Christians, but there were Roman Christians sitting there too, listening to this. Remember, they had just given up paganism and they accepted Jesus. So they're all new to faith when you compare them to the Jewish Christians. They're all very new to this thing. They got lots of questions. And so they're really leaning into this. They're really listening because this is fascinating to them because it has ramifications for them too. I, uh, several months ago, was driving home from my older son, had a soccer tournament somewhere in Dayton, and we're coming down, I think it was like 675, and you, you know, I heard a sound of something getting kicked up underneath the undercarriage of the car, and then 30 seconds later, it was like that, that, like, it was a flat, flat tire, right? And so, it's like, dang it. Um, so I pull over on the side of the interstate, you know, 675, like traffic's just zooming by Saturday afternoon, it was hot. But I was like, okay, you know, we can do this. Um, I knew how to change tires. I had done it lots before. Um, my dad had taught me, and then my son's there. And, and he actually said, cool, I guess I get to learn how to change a tire. I'm like, that's right, you get to learn how to change a tire. Let's do this. It was like on the Christmas story, if you've ever seen that movie. It's like, timey, let's go. Um, so, you know, we get out and open up the trunk and pull out the spare and, and, and the, um, you know, the jacket, everything. And, you, you know, I'm showing, like, you know, you kind of loosen the lug nuts, but you know, you got to kind of stomp on it, you know, but, you know, you'll get them all loose and then you take them off and, and then, and then you jack up the car. So we're like, you know, so this is like a proud moment. This is what every dad should be doing, right? Is teaching his son how to change a tire. I knew how to do this. I've done it before. So um, we're, we're moving, we're moving, and I go to pull the tire off, and it, it won't budge. I mean, it will not move. So I'm like, okay. So kind of keep working on it, just trying to loosen it up. I had worn that day um, those, like, athletic slides, you know, like flip-flop things. So not really conducive, like, kicking a tire really hard without breaking your toes. So I kind of tried to give it a kick. Wasn't, I mean, wasn't moving. I was like, oh my gosh. So at that point, I'm like, okay, so, so, you know, emasculated, um, right? No, uh, no teaching moment for my son. So I'm like, I'm going to have to call the roadside assistance from our insurance. And like, I can't change my tire, uh, you know, feeling like a big doof. Um, so right as I'm on the phone with him, like the highway patrol pulls up behind us. And he gets out, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, well, you know, I really do know how to change a tire. Like, I know how, I seriously, seriously do, but I just can't. <laughs> and, and, of course, he's wearing boots that have, like, soles of, like, six inches, you know. And I, I kid you not, he's like, do you mind if I try? I might go for it. He's like, bink, and it just falls off. <laughs> like, I'm serious. It didn't even loosen. It literally just fell off. And I'm just like, Justin, get back in the car. Don't just, just, we're not doing this today. So, so you know, you, have you ever had one of those humbling moments or just one of those teaching moments where you're like, I thought I knew, right? I've done this before. I thought I had the right tools. And they come to find out, I didn't. I didn't know. I thought I knew. And what we often don't know, but we think we know, is the difference between faithfulness and faith. The difference between faithfulness 
and faith. Do you, do you know the difference? Is, is it obvious to us? It's not, is it? Paul makes, look at this. Paul makes this distinction in verse 13. He says, clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by what? Faith. Do you feel like he's repeating himself? Absolutely. Because he knew something that we didn't know yet. And if we're not careful, we won't catch on to it yet either. That there is people walking in our city. There's people in our city who believe that their relationship with God, you know some of them. You may be one. That their relationship, that their right relationship with God hinges on their faithfulness, on their obedience to him. By being a good person and by doing some things for God. And if it's true that they're in our city, then it's got to be true that in a crowd this size, that there's people that are part of White Oak who believe that too. Defining faith as being obedient. Like, I've done my best to be here as often as I can. I've done my best to pray every day. Um, I volunteered. I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried to believe the right things for myself and, and believe the right things and do the right things for my church. And if it's true that we, we, that we have families, that people are a part of White Oak, who believe that we're connected to God in the right way because of the things that we do for him, then isn't it possible that we're passing that along to our kids and our grandkids too? That there are children, that there are teenagers in our church right now who are picking up on what you're modeling, what I'm modeling. That the things that you do for God are the things that make you a Christian. That as long as you believe the right things, that that makes you and God good. And if it's true about us and it's true about our kids, then I promise you one thing, that your neighbors and your friends at school and the people you work with, they're watching what you model. How does it work? And they're watching your life and your words. And they will judge our Heavenly Father. And whether or not they even want to get to know him, or even if they could, if they wanted to. So something that we need to know, that we have to know, is that faithfulness does not equal faith. Being faithful is not the same thing as having faith. And Paul describes then what faith looks like. In verse 18, he says, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. And the verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and this brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Now, according to Paul... According to Paul, who, who saw and spoke with Jesus after Jesus had died and resurrected. 
According to Paul, Paul who had written this letter and sent it ahead of himself to Rome, a city that he had not yet visited, a city where eventually when he does get there, ultimately he will die there. Paul, a person who could not have known exactly how all of this stuff was going to turn out, how this church was going to make its impression on the Roman Empire. Paul said, you want to know what faith looks like? Let me tell you what faith really looks like. It means believing when it doesn't make sense to believe. It means trusting that God is good and that he loves you, that you are a deeply, dearly loved son and daughter of his, even when you don't feel it. Paul says, you want to know what belief looks like, you want to know what faith looks like, look at Abraham, look at my life. It's believing, it's trusting that God is good, that he's right, that his ways are always better, even when things don't turn out the way that you hoped they would. Do you think it turned out for Paul the way that, it hoped it, that he hoped it would? He went to Rome's, Roman chains and ultimately was executed. Paul says, you want to know what belief, what just faith, what just simple, pure faith looks like. It's believing even when you've spent, and listen, some of you, a lifetime of doing good things for God, coming to the realization in a moment that just believing he's good is enough to be counted in. Believing, Paul's saying, even when you thought more was required of you before you could be good with God, believing that it's not. Nothing more is required of you. Because we are not left out of being right with God based on anything we do. But only and simply if we believe. And then Paul adds something. We're going to go to a time of reflection here, and, and he adds something. And he adds this, I think, for the Jewish Christians. Listen to what he does in verse 23. He said, And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. Your faith doesn't just benefit you. What? It was recorded for our benefit too assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and was raised to life to make us right with God. So for his closing remarks in chapter 4, Paul says, oh, and by the way, we are on this mission together, church, of this anyone by faith mission. Anyone could be included in it. Everyone could be included in it. I don't care what your name is. I don't care about your background. I don't care what you came from. I don't care what you've done or what you're doing. This faith, this rightness with God is for everyone and everyone by faith mission. And I love how this just connects so beautifully to what Will and Beth Mueller talked about on that video. Because the reward for Abraham's faith was not just personal. It was a kingdom-building nation of all believers' faith that had these ripple effects throughout the empire, throughout the world, 
that touches you and me now. And it starts with just believing. So we're going to go to this. I want to leave this for you to think on. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, let me just ask you to do this. Can you just for the moment that we sit here, enjoy the beauty of trusting your heavenly father? And that that's enough to include you as good with him. And some of you are going to have to release some stuff today. Because though you've known that for a long time, you've not really known it, have you? So some of us are going to have to release some stuff that we've held on to for a long, long time. Can you, in this moment, sit here and begin to enjoy the beauty of simply trusting your dad in heaven? And the goodness of that. Because that's enough. That's what does it. And if you are here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're just checking things out like I've said before, let me just challenge you then with this as, you, as we reflect and continue to worship. Can you do what Abraham did? Could you fathom hope, putting your hope in something that seems hopeless? That just makes no sense. And if you can, that's where it starts. So pray with me. Father, God, God, you're so good. I know you've been working for a long time in my heart to deconstruct something that was firmly planted there. And that is that I prove my, my, myself to you by the good things that I do for you. And that is so burdensome. And it caused me to be so judgmental and it caused me such fear, and it exhausts me. Oh, God, but then you, you just open our eyes and our hearts to this beautiful truth that you call me son, not because of the good things I do for you, but simply when I believe. God, help us to deconstruct the things that we think we've known. Help us all in the same moment to learn the things we desperately need to know. And that faith trusting you, God, that you're good, that you love us. That's enough. Thank you for Jesus, for the forgiveness that comes from the beauty of that fact. I pray these things in his name. Amen.